Blog Talk Radio. It's April 15th, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progress for change, present opinions that matter. Tonight we are joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. We have an announcement. We'd like to thank everyone who listened to our two-year anniversary show last week, and again thank everyone who worked so hard and diligently to make this show such a wonderful success. Of course, we again thank all of the amazing guests over the past two years. We got an email and a message here. Uh, first, well, uh, we received a lot of congratulations from all over the world, actually, on our two-year anniversary show. So thanks to all the commenters and email writers. We appreciate that a great deal. Uh, uh, this week's definition uh, is uh, closed shop. That's the phrase, closed shop, a place of work where membership in a union is a condition for being hired and for continued employment, closed shop, as opposed to right to work. That's what we had in Michigan for a long time until just a couple of years ago, and I think 34 other states. Okay, up next is this week's quote. And that is, uh, this week's labor quote is by Florence Reese, born on April 12th, 1900. She was active in the coal strikes in Harlan County, Kentucky, and is author of the famous labor, labor song and author of this quote. Which side are you on? All right. Uh, let's bring Jeff on. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. I've had a very busy week. Um, I've got some things accomplished. And today I'm just relaxing and get ready for the work week starting tomorrow. Still got a lot of other things to do, but we are achieving our goals. Let's that way. Good. Good. Um, that's that's always uh, a big positive to achieve your goals. Uh, you know, we had an ice storm in in uh, Michigan area. They got a, an, I guess yesterday early up north by the Traverse City and Charlevoix area. They got uh, some places got up to a foot and a half of snow. I'm told the Traverse City got ten inches of snow. Uh, so then the ice made its way south. I don't know if you got ice where you're at. We have about three-eighths of an inch of ice, so I want to let everybody know if the show goes dead, it's not because of anything we're doing. It has to do with the ice on the power or delivery lines, so uh, everybody should be aware of that. Uh, Okay. Um, Well, uh, you know, there's some really cool stuff going on. Uh, And 
without getting into all those details, the Public Review Board uh, is an amazing place that we sometimes question, but I believe that our uh, independent, unbiased uh, tribunal uh, has been doing some really good things uh, within our union uh, in the past little bit, and we should see some results of their very good work uh, in the very near future. Uh, it's not for publication yet because the decision has not been published, but we expect that that occur, uh, you know, in a timely manner. They're always going to take uh, their time and due diligence to write their decision properly. Uh, you heard about a lot of work on this show uh, about, you know, writing hundreds and hundreds of pages. I think we're near 400 pages uh, on some work that we were working on for uh, some members who had had their membership removed, standing, and I think we're going to see some real, real good result, response uh, from this public review board regarding that. Um, uh, so without going too much further into that, because we don't want to take their decision or uh, give away exactly what that is, but we will report it. I believe everybody will be pleased to hear that our union uh, does have the rule of law in it. Now, there are some people in our union that don't adhere to the rule of law, do everything in their power to vilify and challenge and destroy people's lives that go against them. In the end, the rule of law will prevail, and it appears to be going to prevail in this instance. So just know, brothers and sisters, that there is hope out there for the rule of law. And I want to thank everybody involved with that. Uh, and we'll be more detailed on that soon. But uh, for now, that's about as far as we dare go. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later. But for now, we'll, uh, that, that's about as far as we dare go. Uh, so you got anything else to just, you know, talk about throughout the week there, Jeff? Uh, yeah. Um, most of the locals recently have held, held their convention delegate election. Um, my local, local 3000, is having our delegate election on Wednesday, April 18th. And I want to ask my... Union brothers and sisters at 3,000. There's a lot of elected, elected reps running for convention delegates. In my opinion, because I have once served as a elect, twice served as an elected official, um, I do not believe that elected people should be running for delegates. They should remain at the plant and service their members. We have a couple bargaining committee people running. And as of today, we still do not have a 2015 local agreement. Um, my suggestion is to not vote for these people. Um, again, they should stay home and do their jobs. Um, 
we have received a lot of information that uh, people are complaining they don't see their collected reps on the floor. So if they're not on the floor and servicing the members, why should you vote for them to go to the convention? Think about it. It's, uh, you know, they're elected to serve the members. They're not doing that. Um, we have heard recently that the second shift or B shift reps come in at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when the contract says the night shift or C shift members work. As for the national contract says it's and I work on the new show. Our, our start time is at 5.30. So these people are coming in at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and leaving around 10. So any time after 10 o'clock till 4.30 when we leave, we have no reps. And they're just doing what the hell they love to watch. Bastardizing the um, quitting time language where we don't know how many hours we are working until the very last second. Um, that's, there's a rule on that. We have that language, and nobody is there to enforce it because no one is in the union office after 10 o'clock. That's the stories I'm hearing. Now, maybe a couple, but I doubt it. So just remember these people on 18th, April 18th, don't vote, don't vote for elected reps. Make them stay in the plant and do their business, servicing membership. So that's what I got, Leroy. Okay, thank you, thank you, uh, Jeff. I I would add, you know, we we went over last week. We went over the different styles of election that are being run this year, and how there are some people out there telling everybody to run. Uh, and when you have, you know, upwards of 38 people running, uh, it waters down the resistance and strengthens the caucus Kool-Aid drinkers. Uh, we talked about that, and we talked about them running two different elections, one for the delegate and one for the alternate at the same time. That way they can control the top, the top three or four positions very easily. Uh, unfortunately, there's some very good people who have not uh, won their election uh, because of those two uh, factors in the uh, process of our election process, this cycle. And this is uh, being uh, uh, orchestrated and contrived by the, uh, the caucus. And most all of the uh, current executive board are beholding to these folks and um, um, and uh, we just had a comment here excuse me just yeah oh you can't get any sound Somebody's, can you hear me Jeff I can hear you Leroy. okay I'm not sure why you're not getting sound uh, Scott but um, we, we apologize for that, and we'll check it. Uh, if we have to, we'll upload uh, a version that's that's doing a better job. Um, 
we apologize for that. I'm not sure why why that is. I don't have any volume adjustment here, so. But um, uh, anyhow, um, much much appreciated that you're uh, making the effort here to come in and listen. We really appreciate it. Uh, so um, we did talk about those and some really good people that didn't win, and you know we wish all of those people who tried very, very hard to win the very best in uh, their efforts to try and win delegate election. Uh, As there are still delegate elections remaining, if if you have large numbers of delegates, if you can identify three or four people uh, and sort of form a little coalition and support one another, you'll have a better chance. It's just, it is about numbers, brothers and sisters. It's simply about numbers. Uh, those, most most all of the executive board members have been sent or asked to come in to leadership meetings where they've been pouring Kool-Aid by the barrelful. Okay, so um, just know that they're likely to support the existing folk who are there now or their replacements from their own caucus. And that, brothers and sisters, is not a good thing. We're going to go over a few things tonight, and we're going to go over a few things in the coming weeks, exactly why this is such a bad thing to um, uh, be replacing or returning them office, why you'll notice by the end of the night and most assuredly by next week how money's been taken out of the very mouths and you and your families and that needs to stop and there's only one way to do it and that's to remove and replace the people that are at the Ruther caucus table at this time okay um we again most assuredly uh, thank everybody who's running for delegate trying to make a difference and change and you need to form small coalitions if you haven't had your election yet three or four of you so that you can get elected because believe us the uh, leadership of most local unions has got a group of people that they're supporting They'll go there and rubber stamp the Ruther Caucus again. Okay, so if you still are there, um, do try and form a little small coalition. Therefore, if you get together, if there's a lot, if you have 20 or 25 people running, you're just watering yourself down. You need to stick together and try and form a little caucus of your own. All right. Uh, next, I want to address uh, Local Union 3000. They're, they're voting Wednesday on the 18th. Now, I've seen some of the handiwork from the leadership that local. It's despicable, underhanded, and just about as bad as I can have ever, ever seen. And they just found that out this weekend. This is exactly what real people on the outside, including this brother, thinks of them. I'm going to say out loud, do not vote for any elected or appointed person 
in Local 3000. Most especially, do not vote for the President Steve Gonzalez for delegates, and most especially, do not vote for the most recent trial chairperson, Bill Gill. Do not vote for these people. They will not represent you or interests, only their own at convention. And that's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. Do not vote for those two people. They're despicable human beings. That, that is a fact. And they'll find that out before all of this is over. I hope all your pals are listening and carry it to you, too, because you don't want to meet me in a dark alley. All right. Jeff, you have some constitutional issues you'd like to uh, bring up. Uh, you want to continue with your series, please? Sure. I'm going to start off tonight's Article 13. It's very long, so I'll cut it in half. Um, Article 13 is the duties of the international officers. Uh, Section 1, the international president shall reside at all sessions of the international convention, all sessions of the international executive board. The international president shall perform such other duties as are necessary to protect and advance the interests of the international union and shall report his or her activities to all local unions and to the general membership through the official publications. The international president shall report his or her activities to the quarterly meeting of the international executive board for approval or rejection and to the international convention. Section two, between sessions of the international executive board, International President shall execute the instructions of the International Executive Board and have full authority to direct the working of this organization within the provisions of this Constitution and shall report his or her acts to the regular quarterly meeting of the International Executive Board. Section 3. As set forth in this Constitution or voted by the International Executive Board, the International President, shall assign any elected officers to represent or direct the workings of this international union. Section 4. The International President shall have the power to withdraw any field assignments made to any elected officer when he or she becomes convinced that the officer has been derelict in his or her duties or has been guilty of a dishonest act, such withdrawal of assignment shall not act to suspend or vote, suspend the vote or pay of such an officer, which power lies only in the International Executive Board as provided in this Constitution. Any officer whose assignment is withdrawn may follow the procedure outlined in Article 12, Section 10, to convey the International Executive Board if the International Executive Board reaffirms the original assignment, the President shall not again suspend this assignment. Section 5. The International 
president shall appoint such representatives as he, she, may deem necessary from time to time such appointments to be pending the approval of the international executive. The international president may remove from the payroll any representative derelict in performance of any duty guilty of any dishonest act or to conserve the finances of the international union. Pending the approval of the international executive board at its next session. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Right. Section six. Yeah, it's out there, people. Um, Section six. After submitting recommendations of the international executive board, the international president shall hire such legal, technical, or professional as is necessary to efficiently operate such departments of his international union, of this international union, except for the Department of the International Secretary Treasurer. The international president shall fill by appointment all vacancies occurring in the international office staff, except in the Department of the International Secretary Treasurer, as otherwise provided in its constitution. Section 8, the international president shall decide disputes or questions and controversies, including all questions involving interpretation of this constitution, except such cases as follows a procedure and conditions as outlined in this constitution. All his or her decisions beginning subject to appeal first to the International Executive Board and then to the Convention. Notice in writing of any appeal of any decision of the international president must be filled with the international secretary treasurer of the international president within 30 days of the date of decision. Section 9. International president should have the authority to call a special meeting of councils or local unions whenever he or she is deemed such a meeting necessary to protect the interests of its membership after proper notification or consultation with officers of subordinate bodies involved. The international president shall have the authority to delegate such duties to any international officer or representative he she may name providing such delegation of authority is written, signed by the international president, and bears the seal of the international union. Um, Section 10. The international president shall convene regular and special sessions of the international executive board whenever necessary. They have one, should have one coming up real soon. Um, the, section 11. The international president shall be empowered to grant local unions or units dispositions relating to initiation fees for capital tax and or international union strike and defense funds dues paid to the International Union with the approval of the International Executive Board when the International President's judgment, such as this possession, will add to the growth or conserve the inter- interests of this International Union. I'll do one more, Leroy. Um, section 12. The International President shall devote all of his or her time to the affairs of this International Union executing the instructions of the International Executive Board and 
exercising general supervision over all departments of this international union. We'll stop there for this weekly write, and we will finish up Article 13 next week. Um, as we can see, there are some very important meetings that need to be addressed, held on issues that need to be addressed here like a year ago. Um, yeah. That's my opinion. Right, exactly. Uh, there are certain things that are just uh, supposed to happen automatically uh, as soon as they are made aware of them and confirm such things. And um, that just simply wasn't done. Uh, and that's a f function of some of the things I said before to include uh, the two people that I said don't vote for. At least one of them. And the other one concurred. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so uh, before we go too far, uh, there was a triennial election this uh, this past week at Lordstown, and uh, they had some changes there. There's a number of issues going on. Some 3,000 retirees seem to have lost their ability for voice voting to run for office, and I know that's being worked on. Uh, you know, if the International Union fought the corporations, as much as they fight us, we'd all be making $150 an hour. Uh, having said that, uh, there was one uh, um, notable victory. Uh, the Lordstown Local Union won one, one, two, eleven, twelve, and uh, we want to congratulate Brother David Green for being elected president of that very fine local. It's actually my hometown. I grew up there. And, uh, David, we wish you the very best. And, uh, you know, as you uh, may know from the kind words uh, uh, coming out of my mouth, uh, you'd be welcome to come on the show anytime you choose, should you choose to do so. That's an open invitation for you. Um, I know that you're big on the uh, TAP, people using the tuition assistance payment plan program. I uh, want to plug that a little bit as our workforce and the jobs morph from manufacturing into a different type of work that's more digital and robot robotic. Uh, we need to make sure that our membership starts to morph along with that. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of communication personally with the uh, students and professors at Michigan State University, and I can um, uh, uh, tell you that uh, I've had very uh, cutting-edge uh, PhDs uh, in conversation, private conversation, uh, won't tell names, but they have said they can control 12-foot cubic area to the millimeter and pick up eggs and move them as fast as you can move an egg without breaking it and anywhere into that area. 
that's capable now. They can't go, it's not, artificial intelligence is limited by memory right now. They've got to be able to cool the memory down, and they just don't have the capacity to be as smart as we are. They're close, but they don't. And some of that's the because of cameras can only see 2D and we see 3D, uh, and that's a limiter, although that's being addressed by the company we talked about last fall uh, that General Motors has hired to establish such um, video capabilities or photographic capabilities. So, But we need to really start taking a hard look at whether our jobs are going to still be there in a few years. This is, I mean, it's coming like a freight train. I mean, I want you to look back 25 years. Some of you folks to listen, you know, barely that old, some of you. And thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. But you need to know that in 1993, there were computers and there were cell phones. But cell phones were still in bags, canvas bags that were, you know, four inches by 10 by 12. These were huge cell phones. I mean, they didn't really start to come in until 96, 97. And, the, you know, the earliest of flip phones were 90, early 96, late 95. The Internet did not exist as it does today until early 2000s, maybe late, late 1990s, but nothing like it is today. This stuff is coming, and it's coming. There's a train, and it's going like 100, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour, and we need to adjust with it. We need to adjust with it. You know, I'm one of the things I do. I'm an internet marketer as well, and it used to be we had a haystack. I'm giving you a little side. This is an aside for for some of the stuff that we're going to talk about on the show tonight. But it used to be we had a haystack, and everybody would take these, you know, marketing campaigns and and throw at the haystack, and hopefully somebody would would you know pick up on it. You know, well now every one of this the piece you know the pieces of straw in the haystack, piece of a hay if you will, all have computers. And they're telling us what they're looking for and in what degree they're looking for it. And we market directly to the individual these days. You know, you hear, you know, Zuckerberg on at Congress the other day. You know, this isn't, you know, something that's futuristic. It's here now. So every time you search for something, Google traps that search and that goes into a file, and and people that are internet marketers can go and say, you know, how many people are looking for sports rugs today from the University of Alabama that are alumni that live in the state of Georgia or Alabama, or Louisiana? You can be that specific in your marketing campaign. The same thing is coming to the manufacturing base. And we need to be prepared for it. So the use of tuition assistance can't be 
enforced enough. Educate yourself. Take a little time out of your week. You know, keep your summers free, but take a little time out of your week and and learn a new trade that's going to help you, okay? I mean, that's the best advice that we can, you know, send your way. So having said that, again, congratulations to incoming president David Green, and uh, perhaps he may at some point accept our kind invitation to come on to the show. Uh, and it's always nice to talk to somebody from the, you know, my hometown. I I get there occasionally, but not as much as I should. Uh, anyhow, I uh, want to remind everybody also uh, to listen to last week's show. Uh, there's a lot of details about the delegates and the process the entire process about, you know, from sign-up to finishing the, the convention, which you can expect to fa- be, f- be facing throughout all of that. The other uh, thing is uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, took the time to either write or download. We had a, a lot of downloads, you know, for, uh, from our website for the 2018 um, a list of resolutions. So if you wrote a resolution or you downloaded one that is out there on our site or from another group and you submitted to your local, thank you very much. You know, it's it's an uphill battle. There's very few that aren't, aren't uh, approved if they're not actually supported by the leadership. There's been a couple, but not many, over my time with the union, and that's, you know, decades. Uh, So I want to just thank everybody that took the time to do that. I get a little frustrated myself from time to time, and uh, because of the way our structure is lately in the past little bit, since 82, and we talked about that last last show as well. You need to really take a look at listening to that last week's show because we covered a number of things. Just take a little time if you haven't already. Go ahead and listen to that. Uh, let's see. We got another message that just came in. Uh, okay, we're good. We're, it seems that they're able to listen now, so that's been fixed. Um so uh, the delegates want to you know, go into that just a little bit more. You may be being told about new product at your facility if you vote for a union officer of choosing by somebody. Uh, that's not necessarily kosher or legal. So if somebody tells you you may get new work if you vote this way or that way, simply tell them they've crossed the line and they should be very careful. And then inform us. Working for a living at workingforaliving.com is our email address. Let us know who said it, what time they said said something to you and what was said 
we're building a list of things that need to be addressed uh, at uh, the, the proper authority. How's that? Now, last week, uh, we also talked a little bit about the pensions. And I went over the General Motors pension out of the Detroit 3 because I actually have pretty hard numbers for those. And as you may recall, I talked about how in uh, 2009, March 6, but at the end of 2008, we get numbers for that year, and it was around $62 billion. And the, since March 6 of 2009, the overall stock market's up some 300%. That means that, you know, if all of the money were invested in stocks, that it would have went up $180 billion, around $240 billion total. But they're not all invested in stocks. They're very uh, strict rules on what they can invest in certain types of stock, and then, you know, um, bonds and treasuries and stuff like that. Uh, so it's, you know, there, there's rules on it. Uh, however, after all of that big movement, the pension funds are $59 billion, and people have been dying a lot, and no new people coming into the pension fund, something that needs to be changed. Everybody hired after September of 2007 doesn't have a pension or health care in retirement. And that's just simply wrong. It needs to be changed. And in, I'm quoted last week as saying that in 2013, the stock market went up 30%, and the pension fund, $60 billion, did not go up 30% with 30 times or three times 60 would or three times six is like 18 should have been an additional 18 billion. It didn't do that. But I saw as I was browsing the financial sites, I saw a report that they had like 4.6 billion Auto-related profit, $18 billion, non-auto-related profit. Isn't that a coincidence? But it didn't hit the bottom line. We didn't see that in the bottom line profit reporting anywhere. So much like when they sold EDS in 1995 or some $16 billion, that didn't hit the bottom line either, nor was there any huge profit sharing. That money seemed to disappear into rabbit holes somewhere along the walls before it hit the bottom line. Now, we're going to set that over to the side a minute, and we're going to talk about something that's colloquially called dead peasants insurance more formally called corporate life insurance, where corporations buy life insurance on retirees for enormous amounts of money and then take that when it's paid out and put it into their executive retirement fund. A year ago, 
it was reported that Mark Fields, CEO of Ford, had an $858 billion pension fund. At a speech that's out there online that I gave on the Capitol steps in Michigan Capitol on May Day, I made sure that everybody in about six or seven blocks heard that. So much so that the microphone moved before my face as that Eric spelled telling that story. Pretty uh, intense speech there. So he got replaced three weeks later. Isn't that a coincidence? By the new CEO. And his remuneration was reported here last week at $16.3 million a year. But remember, that was only from the third week in May that he made that. So if you extrapolate that out to the whole year, you're looking closer to $30 million, more than Mark Fields made at 22.1 per year. He'd have had to work, by the way, Mark Fields would have had to work over 34 years at his highest rate of pay, not pay a penny of tax, and not use one penny of his money for his own uh, livelihood in order to get $858 million. It's a lot of money that we're turning people into billionaires. Okay. Now, it was later reported in the same article, the uh, CEO of Ford, uh, Hackett is making 16.7 with pension and perks. That's $400,000 for his health care and his pension. It's pretty good money, isn't it? It's going to take some of the folks out there, 400000 just for benefits. You know, if you're making 20 bucks an hour, it'd take you, that's 40000 take you 10 years of work to make what his health care and pension costs are to the corporation. Hmm. Does that seem fair to anybody? It doesn't seem all that fair to me, especially when the way they worded it, the $16.7 million could have just been pension and benefits, pension and perks, rather. And then it would have had sixteen three on top of that. That is near that thirty million that we're talking about. But sixteen three is his wage, and that's for seven months in one week. So you add about forty percent to that, roughly, and that gets you into the high twenty. 20 millions, uh, 28, 29. I didn't do the math on it, just on the top of my head. So uh, that seems a little bit high. But let's get back to dead people. I'm seeing these executives with enormous amounts of pension. Now, 
he might not have that going on now, and they might have made some corrections after Mark Fields garnered so much money. Now, let's just talk about that money, okay? That money came from somewhere. You know, there's a pension discussion over on the shelf that we just talked about. Could have come from there. We don't know. Could have come from any other places. One thing it did not do, it did not come down through the stakeholders and then hit the profit. It didn't come. There's four stakeholders in this. Four. Okay? There's the government. They didn't get their cut. There's us, the workers. We didn't get our cut out of that. The stock and bond holders, they didn't get nothing. And then the communities, where they live or do business at. Okay? Didn't seem like billions of dollars came in through that. By the way, there's a lady out there uh, that did a real nice piece that said something around $250 million would pay for the Tier 2s to be paid at the full rate of Tier 1. Everybody being the highest wage, $250 million. And we're talking about billions been, seem to be floating around into this dead peasants, into the the executive suite pension funds. Now, here's another thing. In 2006, IRS got mad about that peasant's insurance, and they said this is a tax dodge. Because it's a tax dodge, you can't do this any longer. And there was a lawsuit over Walmart, too, by the way. But you can't do this any longer unless you have the consent of each and every retiree that you buy that life insurance for. Now, so it looks like there's a lot of pension money going into the executive suites. It looks like pension funds don't have as much money in them as they probably should. And it looks like our members aren't getting paid enough. And the retirees have lost some $4,000, depending on how you calculate your health costs annually since retirement. I know I have. Let me take $4,000 away from you every year after you've set your budget and retired. I do okay. That's not everybody. It's not everybody. So if they have the obligation, the corporation, in all cases, not just the Detroit Three, every company, all the Fortune 500 are doing this stuff. Don't think it's just us. You know, and we represent a whole lot of other entities out there, you know, where we have members that work for other entities. We represent people there. Now, who in the world is given this permission? You know, I know a lot of retirees. In the single person that filed suit, 
trying to stop the VEBA or mitigate it to the degree that we were able to and make it better. I made a lot of friends out there, and they're listening to this show. You know, and they tell me, I didn't give any permission. Not me. I didn't tell anybody they could buy life insurance on me for their benefit to the executives. No. After 2006, they had to have that permission. And such permission would be outside the scope of a contract, outside the scope of a constitution, and only at the discretion of people that claim to represent retirees. I can't imagine who that might be. I'd like you to think about that. And I can tell you this. Should there be a change in the leadership and the despots that are currently in charge of our union who were told this weekend to their face, quote, you're running this union and you let this happen, end quote. Should people like that get removed and replaced? This brother will tell you in a snap minute that would change the face of dead peasants insurance being purchased. by anybody regarding our membership. That's about as far as we can say that we would go without telling you the specifics of how to do it. Because we have people listening out there that want to beat us up and kill us. I can't tell you the reports that I've gotten threats on my life. You know, I'm a big guy. And I'm a little old. Be careful. You try to affect such a thing. So, um, now you sort of get a little bit bigger picture on this whole pension and profit and insurance, what could be done about it? This is really bad stuff that's being done. Do you know that every dollar that's being purchased at Peasants Insurance for the benefit of the executives beyond what's, I mean, this is this is just, um, uh, I can't even hardly think of a word that says one person's pension should be almost a billion dollars. You know how much benefit, and that's in one individual, and there's 500, Fortune 500 companies. Do you imagine, we talk about the velocity of money on our show from time to time, how important that is to the health of an economy. It's very important that we have money in the mass hands of the masses. And when this is siphoned out of the profit line, 
The government doesn't get their percentage. And this just goes into the hands of a select few tax-free. I'm not talking that this is they got to go pay tax on it after they get it. This is tax-free. This is a death benefit paid to them tax-free. Government. I mean, Trump, you're out there tweeting every day. Tweet about that. You want to fix the country? Tweet about that. By the way, you kind of got the trade issue identified. But your trade war is wrong. You should listen to our show. I believe it's the April 23rd show of last year. And we ran it at Thanksgiving time and again this spring. It says, don't get in a trade war. Simply charge the sales tax that they're not charging when they bring the products over here and then send the sales tax back to them. Don't even keep it. It'll stop the dumping and have a better effect than your trade war ever thought of being. I don't know who the hell's advising you or if you're your own advisor, but it ain't doing very good. That's in layman's terms. Peoria understands it ain't playing very well there. Getting us in a trade war is not a good thing. You heard it first here on how to stop and avoid that. It's a matter of record. It's something I've been fighting since 1991. I've never done anything, though, people will say. You don't know what's going on. Right. You know, I speak with young people every day, most of whom don't even know who I am. And they tell me how horrible the jobs are. I had a conversation just before the show, within 25 minutes of the show, with a young brother. Jobs are atrocious at the facility he happens to be working at. They're timed too close. I can understand efficiency, but this is ridiculous. And we need to get back to a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. We're not supposed to be out here performing like a robot. We're human beings. And people are in the facilities right now working on jobs that are timed beyond what they should be, and they're getting hurt every day. Repetitive injury. And that needs to stop. We knew when they harvested the workforce too far that the accidents and the injuries would go up, and they have. And we will use those numbers to address the corporation to end such behavior on the plant floor. They're going to stop treating us like slaves. They are. We're going to do it nice. Just like we tried to be nice over there to Local 3000, we asked them to do the right thing, and they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't. 
and recently they got their head handed to them. Go ahead, bump heads again. Go ahead, bump heads again, see how you do. Because how we can rise up our team to address corruption, we'll rise up to address abuses at the corporate level just the same way. This needs to end. We need to turn this Titanic ship around because we deserve better treatment, better wages, hours, and working conditions. It's that simple, and it's going to happen. Again, don't vote for anybody that's currently elected or appointed. Form small coalitions. Go around your local facility and campaign, and you can be victorious and go to convention and prevail. Things need to change. Not for the sake of change, but the sake of change for the better. That's well thought out where you think about what's the obvious and what's the obscure that may happen from the change that you affect. Strategic thinking. We're known for that around here. Jeff, are we known for that? Yes, we are. Without a doubt. You've seen it time and again. So, all right. Having said that, Jeff, do you have anything else to say tonight? Any subject, topic? Uh, No, I just want my local membership to understand what I'm saying about the election delegate election coming up this week. They always have a very small turnout for our election. Um, As you said last week, this is a very important election, more important than most people realize. Um, Like Leroy just said, don't elect any elected official from local 3000 um, or appointed. Or any other local for that matter. Right. Yes. Any other local. Um, We need to change things. We need to change things now. Can't wait any longer. It's got to happen this summer. So, so I got Leroy. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, We. I want to kind of recap just a bit. We talked about the pension. We put that over there on the shelf, and and where that money might have gone, we don't know. We talked about dead peasants insurance and, and, you know, how that seems to be a lot of money going into pension funds for the executive suite, nearly a billion for one man. Think about the total package. This isn't just 400000 This is a lot of money, a lot of money. And we'll give Ford, uh, the, say it's just 400000 Maybe they've made some adjustments there. We don't know. But it sure did come to haunt past chair, CEO. So then becomes the question, 
why would anybody in their right mind who represents people try and get them the best? That's their job. Why would they ever authorize dead peasant insurance? What's in it for them? Okay. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to please, if you know an FBI agent or uh, any other federal agent, to have them listen to next week's show. Because just the same way as we don't know about the pension money and where it went, and we don't know who authorized it, we don't know what their kickback is either. We don't know that. It's beyond our capacity to know it for sure. But there's three things we're going to tie together next week. And please invite any FBI agent that you know to listen to next week's show. Because we really, really and truly need to put these people in jail. And next week, next week, Listen in, and you'll find out why they need to be in jail. Last week I said, I have rage inside of me because of some of the things that are going on. And I do. Next week you're going to see exactly and specifically and hear about what I'm talking about. And if you know an FBI agent, any congressperson, House of Representatives or Senate, federal judge, executive officer, including Mr. President Trump. Tell them to listen in for a real education on what the hell's going on in our country. Because next week, next week, we'll find out what the kickback is or at least we'll have something on the shelf that looks like a kickback with signed signatures on documents. Yeah. Okay. So we invite you to listen in. Thanks for listening tonight. If you found this uh, valuable and enjoyed it tonight, we're about an hour. It's not long. Please listen in next week. Tell a friend. Tell a government official. Tell a congressperson. Come on in. And we thank you for listening. We thank all our friends all around the world. Kazakhstan, the Ukraine, all the places that you've been hearing about Facebook getting in trouble and some of these companies that affect in elections they're all out there so they're listening in and we can track their their IP address where they're at so we have about 20,000 IP addresses of our own and we'll be marketing to those people in the next six weeks so Dennis Williams, you lost today or yesterday. 
You're going to lose again, you and your team over there, just as sure as I'm sitting here. You despots, every one of you. So thanks for listening in. Thanks to our friends in Mexico and and Canada and all around the United States. Thanks for everybody in the switchboard to listen in tonight. Uh, a lot of you, really. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a respite here, uh, but now we're sort of back at it again. And uh, uh, it's nice to see everybody here. Thank you so very much, and have a good night. Good night, Jeff, and everybody have a safe good night. Week. Be careful in your workplace. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye.